we'd like to remind you that if you are experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, stroke, or any life-threatening medical emergency, please call 911. Please do not delay seeking treatment during the COVID-19 epidemic. Most Providence emergency rooms are open, and CDC-required safety measures are being taken to protect patients and hospital staff. If you are unsure of your symptoms, please use our telehealth services and speak with a healthcare professional that can better assess your symptoms and provide direction on the best course of action. Please do not let the worry of COVID-19 cause delay in seeking out treatment if you are experiencing a heart attack or stroke. Every minute treatment is delayed can be fatal. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the future of health on Dash Radio during this coronavirus pandemic. We're lucky to have many experts around our COVID-19 topic and many guest hosts. Remember to visit coronavirus.providence.org for more information. Hello, everybody. We're really excited to join you all. Um, I'm Dr. Roseanne Getchell with Providence, and I am joined by my colleague, my esteemed colleague, Dr. Tyson Payne, who is also working with me at Providence. Um, we are so excited to join you. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about homeschooling and how to really support kids and teens who are struggling with all of the social distancing that's going on right now. Um, and we noticed that there were some questions that we received regarding homeschooling and specifically internet safety. So we wanted to address that today with you all. Um, my little introduction that I wanted to share with you all is that I um, wanted to remind you that this information that we're providing during the event is for educational purposes only. There's our little disclaimer for you. Um, so if you do have any questions regarding medical conditions or treatment plans, please consult with your physician. That's so important. Um, participating in this event with these clinicians, that would be us, um, does not create a physician-patient relationship. And I'm really excited to get started. Um, so without further ado, joining me is Dr. Tyson Payne. He's a licensed psychologist who specializes in pediatrics with Providence Health System. And I'm really excited to talk to you about internet safety today. Very good, very good. The, and I'm happy to be here. The, it's, it's fun doing it with a colleague who is just as uh, talented and, and professional and more wise than I am, so. <laughs> You're very kind. Um, well, I'm really excited to get started. I'm going to start with a, just a general question for those viewers that don't know you. Um, Dr. Payne, can you talk to us about what you do with your role in Providence and what your experience has been while working with kids and teens? So I work as a behavioral health consultant in primary care. So I work hand in hand with your primary care doctors, specifically in pediatrics, to address kind of frontline mental health concerns and other medical concerns that come up from a mental health perspective in primary care. And so I see a wide range of patients from anxiety to depression to more complex things such as cancer or the diabetes. Um, and, you know, hand in hand with your doctors to, to kind of address all the wide range of developmental and emotional concerns that come up with children. Thanks, Dr. Payne. I think it's really fun to work on a team with so many amazing, dedicated professionals that really care about treating the children that they see. I'm gonna jump in because I know that uh, people are waiting to talk about this. Um, what are some of the primary dangers and concerns parents should have regarding internet safety in general? And I feel like this is a very different conversation than we would have had a year ago, where pri the primary way that children are connecting to each other is online. And so it's where before you could filter and kind of control a little bit more. It's so much of children's life and development and identity that's going on right now 
is web-based. And so the concern that I have and the parents should have is that who are these connections that children are making connections with? Mm-hmm. You know, what websites are they going to and like who who are they connecting with and starting to identify with? Oftentimes this is this is kind of a a playground for for predators and other people. And, and that it, it is a concern where it, it that it does happen. Um, you know, another concern is if there is too much unsupervised or unstructured time around time online that children can get engrossed and too in-depth into things that aren't age appropriate. Yeah, agreed. And I think one of the things that I know you've talked a lot about with patients and parents has been communication, that it's so important that parents communicate with their teens and their children about what does it look like to be on the internet? What are some of the risks, but also what are some of the signs that you as a parent are going to be looking for if you're noticing "Mm, something's not quite right? Yeah, and I feel like any, just about any question that we're going to answer today will, that will be the answer is, let's have a conversation about this. Um, Mm -hmm. Parents need to be informed about what websites and how children are spending their time online. And they need to be talking about it because it's not just what websites they're going to, it's also your child's interpretation and experience Mm -hmm. on that website. Oh, that's such a good point that us as parents are going to have very different interpretations and perspectives of the internet um, than kids and teens. Both good and bad. I, I went to a website that's, mm. that ch- that teens especially love um, called Discord. And <laughs> it kind of freaked me out a little bit to know that my teenager was spending so much time there. And mm. the so we had a conversation about that. And listening to her and actually spending time with her while she was online with with her friends on that website she's using it in a very healthy way and so it did lead into a conversation of like okay when when can this website be bad how how and what are things that we should look out for also made it safe to talk about that like this is something we can talk about it's you don't have to hide this this is something that we can talk about yeah Oh, and it's such a great example for you of something that you had some hesitancy, you weren't sure you wanted to be open and explore more. um, And then you could have more of an in-depth dialogue with your child. Yeah, good. That actually brings me to the next question that we had prepared. Um, How would you suggest laying some ground rules for internet usage and safety, um, knowing that there might be some things out there that we don't know as parents? Yeah, and it's important that your teens and children know that technology and internet usage, usage is a privilege, not a right. Mm-hmm. Um, that it this is something that it, it's a great place to start to build uh, trust and respect and responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for that to be like kind of be used as a consequence when those those things get breached. Um, so kind of starting out with that of like, hey, this is a privilege, not a right. You know, if certain rules aren't followed, we may scale back on what we're doing. Um, You know, making sure that there may be apps or websites that you may restrict your children from going on that their friends may have access to. And that is incredibly hard, especially for teenagers to know, like, well, all my friends are on Snap. How come I can't be on Snap? Mm. Um, The and, you know, making sure that you you know why you're going to restrict whatever website app you're going to restrict and sharing that with them. It's sometimes a challenging conversation to have because well, my friends are doing it. Um, yeah. It, it is so important to, 
you know, from there, something else that I recommend for parents is to get on those same websites, um, those mm. same uh, platforms. I had to, I had to, I'm not very tech savvy. And so I had to learn Instagram because my daughter wanted Instagram. And yeah. you know, I could see this as, uh, you know, this was a couple of years ago. And it's like, okay, all our, all our friends are doing, I know that because I'm talking to teens. And so I had to learn Instagram and she, she was more than happy to friend me and she created a new, new profile at something I like that was kind of a red flag for me at first. Like, Hey, why did she create a new profile? But that's the mm. thing that teens do now is they'll pro, uh, create more than one profile. And mm. so I'm like, we'll just friend that profile too. <laughs> and it's the, been an ongoing conversation, but also a place where she's been able to build a lot of trust and responsibility. And now we're learning to drive and I'm so much more confident with mm. her driving because how well she's handled some of this online stuff. Oh, that's a great example. Thank you. Um, and to me, when you talk about ground rules, the thing that stands out to me is that everybody that is in that conversation, including the teen or the child and the parent or other family members, they need to really make sure they're on the same page as far as the assumptions. Like internet usage is a privilege, not a right. And mm -hmm. how do we use it responsibly and safely so that we can keep that? Um, Oh, such a good point. And being clear. And I also wonder about, you know, parents that aren't quite sure, how do I set expectations um, if the ground rules are broken that actually I can stick to if there's some consequences there? And I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts on that. If there are some ground rules that are broken and we need to enforce some consequences, what are the types that you recommend or some guidelines to help parents with that? The, the and so making sure I, I love what you said and I'm so glad you said like the, there are clear expectations so and there are clear like if this happens then this is the consequence you know if mm. if you know you're not not using this in this appropriate way or at this time whatever those ground rules that you guys decide are then right. it'll be a loss of this whether it's a loss of this website this app or you know restricted time that you can do it or restricted places where you can do it but very clear consequences. So that mm -hmm. when you have to enforce them, it's the conversation is, I'm sorry, this is what we agreed on. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sorry that choice was made. We have to do it. And so it's yeah. easier to approach it from a place of empathy and sympathy and just saying, I'm sorry, this is what we have to do. You're, yeah. you're not the bad guy. It's the rules that are the bad guy. Uh-huh. I love that. Well, and I, I think about how parents can also model setting ground rules for themselves and really modeling okay, when I break it, when I'm on Candy Crush for more than the 30 minutes that I set for myself, what's going to be my expectation and being really open with, with their children about that? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the rules are going to vary from household to household. I, I do mm -hmm. recommend that children don't sleep in the same room as their device. Uh, a mm -hmm. lot of kids say, oh, I use it as an alarm. We'll go buy an alarm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, and, you know, I implemented that with my own children at home and mm -hmm. the, my phone doesn't sleep in the same room as me. I use a regular <laughs> alarm. And so it, it would be, it, it was a lot easier for my kids to fall in line with that because they knew that I was doing it. Yeah. Ooh, I might try that. I definitely have my cell phone in my bedroom, but now I'm realizing it might be helpful, especially with all the stress going on to, <laughs> to try a little break from it. Good. Oh, I love that strategy. Um, here's another question. Are there any particular apps or parental controls that you would suggest for various age groups? 
and it depends on what you're trying to accomplish because there, there are apps out there that restrict time use. There are apps mm. out there that monitor use. There are apps out there that the, will just report back to you like how much time is being used. Mm. And so it depends on what, what you're trying to accomplish. You okay. know, it is important that you start with the, your children's device, um, that you're setting up all the passwords, um, that you're controlling which apps and websites can they can and can't go to if that way if your child wants to add a new app it's a conversation that you can have and also you can do your own research beforehand okay. um the you know for like for younger children it's a little bit easier to control because there's you know there's less of a desire for um if they want games and other things like that and so it's easier to just age restrict uh for Oftentimes through your internet company or even through your uh, cell phone provider, they will have automatic restrictions that you can put in there. Um, if you use Comcast, there's places that you can put how much time they spend on the internet and like, or what, what websites they can go to. And so yeah. a lot of those are already, already free. Um, another one that I recommend is called RPACT, O-U-R-P-A-C-T. Okay. Um, that one can be put on a child's device and you can control it. The nice thing about that one too, is that you put windows that they can use the time frame, how much they can use, use it. And then the apps will just shut down. So they, <laughs> again, that's nice as a parent because then you're not the bad guy. It's just, it turns off. Like you knew you had that much time. It turned off. Yeah. But also, Let's try again next time. Exactly. Like, yeah, manage your time better next time. Or, but also, you know, if they do something awesome, you want to reward them. It's like, yeah, let me get on the app and I will give you 30 more minutes. Got it. Um, so then all of a sudden you're the, you're the good guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, for monitoring data, this is a little more co complex. It's not just one browser that, uh, that takes place. And it's, you know, I, there's a lot of different ones out there from NetNanny to Canopy to Bark. Um, all these have, you, you kind of have to experiment around and see what works best for your family. Um, okay. But yeah, so uh, NetNanny, our Canopy, our Pact, our um, Bark are all ones that I've done in the past um, okay. with moderate to high success. No. I think it's great that you have really tangible um, technology uses that you tried with your family. And as you were talking about the fact that you can set up your child's phone and then you can have a conversation with them about, okay, you want to try a new app. Um, let's have a conversation about the pros and cons of safety with that app and what it's gonna be useful for and what are our ground rules around it. Just like you would if your child said, hey, I wanna go hang out with this person or go to the store or in I guess pre-COVID times, what if I wanna hang out at the mall? There'd be a similar conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, that's really helpful. You know, to, to kind of also to kind of tail on that, if, if your child's downloading a new app or getting it on a new website, I encourage you to do the same. Um, mm. And there have been plenty of games that the ratings said it was okay. And then I got into it, um, playing it with my children, which was actually a lot of fun. But then I discovered like, there's this part of it that I feel like is inappropriate. Why don't we back off from it? Got it. I love that too. And I think that is also gonna help parents stay up with technological knowledge. Cause I, I wonder for some parents if it's just intimidating to even know where to start in, using these apps or understanding how Instagram works. I mean, some people are, 
I, I'm sure it's a part of their daily life, but other people there, that might be a huge barrier. Absolutely. And it, it, it I, for my, my own children's it's, I've got an app to limit their time and then another app to limit how much time they're online. And then another one that filters through everything they're doing and then categorizes it. It's, it's complex and overwhelming. Got it. Okay, and so. the, you know, it, it's, as you're kind of having these conversations with your kids, another ground rule that is, is fair to establish that as parents, you can access, you know, when you want, when you want to review their history or whatever, you have access to that. And mm -hmm. I would recommend randomly just kind of going through your children's search history and mm -hmm. pulling up, even with all the filtering, because there's so much that can be bypassed. And yeah. the, oftentimes, you know, your children knowing that there there is someone looking over their shoulder, like with their best interests in mind is can help kind of keep them out of trouble where they might be pressured to do otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, but also gives them a little bit of comfort knowing that you care. Yeah, I love that. Oh, this is so helpful. Okay, we have some more questions. Um, I think this one is pandemic related, so I think it'll be very applicable. Because of the pandemic, kids as young as five years old are presently, um, presently homeschooling, which we talked about last time. At what age would you recommend talking to them about internet safety? My assumption would be the earlier, the better. Yeah, that's a pretty easy question. Yep, from the get-go. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, if if they have a device, we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. And obviously you don't need to go into the, the de details, but kind of establishing those ground rules of this isn't a privilege, or it's, sorry, this isn't a right, it's a privilege. And we have access to it at any time. We're gonna kind of use this as a consequence, depending on how it's used. I love that. And like you said before, kind of going with them and having this be a journey that you all can do together. So it doesn't feel like it's this fight all the time. Yeah. Normalizing that. And I feel like sometimes uh, parents are unaware of like what questions to ask as mm. their kids about internet safety. And the, you know, one that I find is helpful is have you had any conversations that were just uncomfortable hmm. or you didn't like? Yeah. Um, and the, you don't need to get the details depending on how much they want to share, but at yeah. least just making, making that safe is that's kind of a flag of like, Hey, something's up, yeah. uh, whether it's bullying or grooming or something else that's making them uncomfortable online. That's kind of a flag of like, Hey, something's up and we need to talk about this as yeah. a parent child. So honoring their own kind of spidey senses, intuition when they're like, Oh, something fell off. Okay, good. Um, this is a little bit of follow-up. What are the differences in the ways parents can talk to young kids versus adolescents and teens about internet safety? Yeah, and the yeah, kind of using that 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 word uncomfortable. Like, if there's anything that makes you feel uncomfortable online, let's talk about it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's important that when your children bring up concerns that they have online, that there's no shaming, um, especially mm -hmm. you know maybe they run into pornography or someone's you know, said something that they're being bullied or something something else uncomfortable ran into them, that there's not, they're not being punished for bringing that conversation to you. And in fact, I would right. actually reinforce that and praise them for like, hey, thank you for sharing this with me. Um, yeah. And, you know, kind of starting the, with just those things of like anything that makes you feel uncomfortable, um, it, any conversation you're having with a stranger that, you know, that's, these are all things that, we need to talk about. Yeah, I love that. So really being able to make it a space where 
please, please, please share your concerns so that we can talk about it so you don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if a parent thinks that their child or teen has been visiting potentially inappropriate websites? What would you suggest and how would you suggest having that conversation? The, and, you know, it's, it's okay to just flatly ask them. And, but also make sure that you're sharing with them why that's a concern to you. Now, you know, the effects of pornography or other harmful material can like long-term effects that those can have on the child and that you're just kind of looking out for their best interests. The, the, it's a lot easier if this is kind of a proactive conversation that you have before, because mm-hmm. then there's already kind of a framework and an understanding like, Hey, this might come up because yeah. the truth is, is that, you know, anyone spent, anyone spends enough time online, they will bump into pornography intentionally, unintentionally. Mm-hmm. And it's important that children have a game plan for when that happens. And knowing that a conversation with mom and dad or guardian is going to be part of that, that plan. Agreed. Agreed. And I love that too, that that might not even be an intentional. So when we're entering into those conversations with our children, whether they're teens or young kids that we're assuming good intent, and also being open to the fact that this might be really confusing, scary, shameful for them. So how do we walk alongside them to really help them through this process? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it can be very confusing. And uh, yeah, so loving them through that, you know, mm-hmm. avoid shame and punishments and praise for being willing to talk about it. Yeah. Ooh. I am going to jump down to a question that I know a lot of your patients and their parents have been talking about, um, and some of my patients have too. Are there specific behaviors that might suggest that a teen is being cyberbullied, especially right now with so much happening online, um, and how can parents help? Mm-hmm. The, in, a thing to look out for is that if you notice that your teen or child is irritable after spending a lot of time on a particular website, or maybe they're obsessing mm. about a particular social platform or something else. There's kind of a hypervigilance about, hey, what if someone so says this about me or what happened with this? Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, uh, if a child is being cyberbullied, they're reluctant to talk about it. Mm. Uh, again, so kind of proactively starting that conversation like, hey, you know, has what do you do when someone's being made fun of online or someone's being attacked and it's it's challenging with cyberbullying because it can have like the effects of that can result in anxiety, depression, and mm-hmm. just kind of a down mood, low motivation for schoolwork or even getting online. Mm-hmm. Um, the the so kind of looking out for the the irritability piece um, or kind of the withdrawing. It's it's so tricky to kind of identify. Yes, that's definitely cyberbullying because. Mm-hmm. Right now, during the pandemic, there are so many like kids have to spend a lot of time online, and yeah, kids to they, they are social isolating, so they do feel a little bit more lonely than they normally would. Right. So right. it's it's helpful as parents to have those proactive conversations and just mm-hmm. throw that out there, like, hey, what would you do if this happened? Has it ever happened to you? Have you ever seen it happen to someone else? Mm-hmm. Um, if it is happening, then kind of exploring with them more like in what situations is it happening? Hmm. Um, you know, if your child is being bullied, let them know that it is not their fault. Um, 
and as much as they can, cutting off contact with the bully, blocking them, whatever that looks like. Um, that may even mean spending time away from that particular social platform. Yeah. The, um, it's also important that depending on where it's happening, if it's happening within the school network, that you bring the school um, on board, letting the school counselor know, teachers, principal, whomever that is. And you know, you may want to keep records, whether that's printing them off of the, the bullying or whatever, mm -hmm. um, just so that there, there is that. Because the, the one side is being bullied, which is horrible and we don't want to happen. And also people bully for a reason. And yep. you know, oftentimes it's, you may discover that your child is the one doing the bullying. And again, it's kind of a, a similar conversation, finding out mm -hmm. what situations they're doing it in, what, where, what's driving that. And, you know, oftentimes those are times that you may want to bring on some help from the school counselor or, or even an, a counselor or a therapist, because there is some need that isn't being met that ha is playing out maladaptively online. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I've noticed for the patients that I've I've spoken with who have experienced cyberbullying, their sense of confidence and self-esteem oftentimes is hit really hard. And I'm wondering if there's been, you know, places that you've noticed patients have experienced maybe um, some support with that online. If there's some websites that you could recommend, I know it's a little off topic. Um, mm -hmm that are really healthy and helpful and encouraging for people that maybe have been hurt on some other social media sites. Yeah. The, well, and the, it's, you know, something that is helpful to do is to reach out to your school because they will have a lot of resources. Um, I love that. I do want to see you searching. <laughs> I do want to share the one that, that uh, you shared with me right before, because it is so great. Yeah. Um, and my, so the, the, the netsmartkids.org. Mm -hmm. um, the kidshealth.org also has a lot of good a lot of good resources for this, but kidshealth.org uh, and netsmarts, smarts with a z, kids.org mm -hmm. are both great places where you can find good materials um, and places for kids to, to find a better community. So. I love that. Yeah. And I think also checking in again, like you said, with the the spidey sense of, okay, how do I feel when I'm getting off of this website? Do yeah. I feel better? Do I notice my mood is is improved or I have more energy or do I actually feel really cruddy? And is this something that's working for me? Or are, do I have other options about the ways that I connect with my peers and my friends that is gonna make sure that I, I feel good? And it yeah. is so tricky right now more than ever before because our, our children's identity with their, in connection to their peers is almost exclusively online. Mm. And when that gets attacked, it is their whole self that feels like it's getting attacked. Mm. Um, and the, so it, it is understandable that you'll see more irritability, sadness, depression, isolation yeah. uh, when, when harmful things are happening online. Yeah. Yeah. I've been really curious about self-disclosure and the kind of information that kids and teens are posting about themselves online. I'm wondering if there's been any kind of ground rules or general guidelines that you recommend parents talk to their kids and teens about mm -hmm. when they're, they're sharing information and 
are they realizing that that information is is on the internet for a lot of people to see? Yeah, and so kind of starting out with the, the smaller things first, I, I you know, making ground rules, like never sharing address or personal information online. The Anyone who's asking for those, that's red flags. Anyone who's mm -hmm. asking to meet up, um, or may have good intentions, but again, that's that's a time to that we want to say, hey, let's get a parent involved in this. Yeah. Um, the uh, birth dates cannot be a concern. Anyone who's sending gifts um, through the mail mm -hmm. is also a concern. If there's someone who they've only met online and they're starting to send gifts, that's that's a big red flag. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, the, anyone who's asking for seductive or inappropriate pictures. Mm -hmm. Again, that that is that's kind of a, a hard fast rule. Um, Absolutely. It, the, where so much of relationships are online now, it mm -hmm. is important to have your a conversation with your children about sexting and the problems that that can have. Where mm -hmm. it's starting to kind of be the norm amongst teens, it's mm -hmm. there's still a lot of concerns about how those photos because once you do share them with someone else you're not, it, there's no guarantee what's going to happen with those after. And yeah, because you don't have control. I, I want to say, I, I saw a study that most the time when that happens, the, when someone shares an inappropriate picture of themselves with someone else, most of the time, if it's in a meaningful relationship, that's, it's usually guarded, but it's still a pretty high rate of how often those pictures are then shared with someone else. Yeah. Um, another thing that's, the children are often unaware of even teens like late, you know, 17 and 16 year olds are unaware of is that there can be legal ramifications of, mm. of sharing inappropriate pictures online. And so having a conversation with that, that again, you may want to loop in the school depending on where stuff like that is happening. Yeah. Oh, good points. And all really intense. Yeah. Okay. I, I, having conversations like this as a parent, even the, just talking about it as a parent, I keep thinking, holy cow, I, have I mentioned this with my child? Like, <laughs> it's so scary. Um, it is. There are a lot of scary things that happen online. And it's important that parents recognize that the, for the most part, you know, kids have best intentions in mind and they will succeed, especially when they're given the proper tools. Um, when they're given the proper protocols to follow when something scary might happen or when they bump into something that's inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Most of the time children will make the right choices. And it's, it does take a lot of trust as parents um, in our child and kind of that confidence that they're going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, this has been such a really helpful conversation. Um, I know that we're getting down to the last couple of seconds. So I just wanted to thank you, Dr. Payne, for joining us, joining us today. Always value our conversations about this. Um, and also thank everybody listening and sending in your questions, your thoughts, and also supporting me, each other. I saw that on the chat. Um, if you all are looking for more help for your mental health or your family or your children's mental health, medical advice, please visit providence.org and make sure to follow Providence on social media, which is really helpful at Providence on Twitter, um, under Providence Health System on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. <laughs> Speaking of social media and the internet. Um, thank you all. It's been lovely. I hope you have a great rest of your day, Dr. Payne. Anything that you want to add at the end? No, be kind to yourselves, parents. It's so hard. Take care of yourself. Yes. The, uh, yeah. Thank you. Take care, everybody.